0: The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre-recorded earlier this week. The 2021 Top 100 Investment Advisory Firm Ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative. includes assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory record, staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money. This is Everyday Wealth with award winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and personal finance expert Gene Chatsky. Presented by Edelman Financial Engines, ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Jean Chatsky, And I'm Soledad O'Brien, and you're listening to Everyday Wealth. So every month, as you know, Jean runs through the jobs report, giving the numbers and amending the past months. That's something we've discussed frequently. But what often goes missing, I think, in that report or who's creating those jobs. This week kicks off Small Business Week. It's the first week in May, and being small business owners ourselves, we thought that we could take this opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into small businesses, the role they play in our economy, and what small business owners need to consider to set themselves up for success. So, a reminder, if you've got a question or a topic that you'd like to see us cover on a future show, be sure to visit planefe.com and visit the Everyday Wealth page. And you can submit your questions right there. But let's begin, Gene, with what's happening in financial news because it's kind of chaotic.
2: <laughs> it's so chaotic, and you know where I'm going first, yes, Soledad. Yes, after a uh, relatively short but very noisy back and forth with the Twitter board, Elon Musk has come to a deal to buy Twitter for $44 billion. And the reaction has been enormous. It has just
1: dominated the headlines. But we should say it it hasn't actually gone through yet. It has not. Like people were freaking out. And you're like, you can't just announce you're buying Twitter and then it's done, right? The board has come to a deal, but if you
2: notice, if you look at the stock, you'll see his agreed upon price to buy it is around $54 per share. Right mm-hmm. now, and we record this show a little earlier in the week, it closed on Tuesday at just under $50 a share. So why is that? It's because there are a lot of people, a lot of short sellers who believe that this deal could fall apart. If it does collapse, by the way, he owes
1: Twitter, a $1 billion penalty. Uh, He seems to love chaos and often Mm -hmm. seems to go against his own business interests. The
2: markets overall, they have been plain ugly. So the Dow fell 200 points on Tuesday. It fell Friday the week before by about a thousand points. So, so what's going on here? We've got some disappointing earnings reports from companies like Netflix, which reported losing subscribers for the first time. Predicted
1: losing more, mm-hmm, right? So, exactly. not only just losing subscribers, but the long road is also bad. So, there's nothing good around the corner.
2: Alphabet or Google reported slower than expected sales growth. GE said it's still reeling from supply chain disruptions. And on top of all of this, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell came out and basically said, hey, you know those interest rate hikes we told you were coming? They're going to be bigger and more aggressive than you were expecting. Some people think we may be looking at three quarters of a point in an attempt to slow down this record-breaking inflation that we've been dealing with. You put it all together, it is a lot. It is a lot for individual investors to deal with. And if you've got questions, you're not alone. I mean, this is one of those times, I think, particularly for Gen Xers like me who are a few years out from retirement, that you wonder, am I doing this right? And it's one of those times where I know I lean on my financial advisor. I ask my questions. If you've got somebody to talk to that is Amazing. Talk to them. But if you don't, the folks at Edelman Financial Engines, which sponsors this show, they are happy to step in. And what I like is that they take a holistic approach to planning, which means they're not just looking at your investments. They're looking in the context of your life and your goals. And you can always reach out at 833 Plan EFE or planefe.com. And, and by the way, Soledad, since we're talking about small business today, I think these questions of retirement, and we'll get to small business retirement plans a little bit later in the show, it's even more crucial for small business owners because nobody is setting up a 401k for you. You have to do it yourself.
1: Yeah, I think it's more crucial for small business owners, and I bet if we filled this room that I'm in with small business owners, we would actually find that with like a hundred, 90 are doing the work of getting their small business going and not spending a large chunk of time if any focused on retirement focused on anything you know down the road beyond how do i get to profitability how do i make sure i get you know what i need to get done day to day in my business i know so many small business owners and you know, conversations about uh, retirement planning and how they think about, not just for themselves, but for their staffs. It's, you know, I think those don't really happen first.
2: No, no. I, I think it's all about getting the business off the ground, seeing if you can even make enough money to fund a 401k, to start a retirement plan, if that's what you're putting into place. But let's just set the table here. I mean, when we talk about small businesses, we're talking about any business that has, Fewer than 500 employees, 99% of the businesses in this country are small businesses. They create two-thirds of all new jobs. They deliver 44% of the GDP in the United States. I mean, when we talk about the fact that this is a country that runs on
1: small business, we are not lying. Which is so interesting because so much of our time, and not our time, but I think generally in terms of reporting, is spent on the bold face name, big, giant companies. So a lot of sort of the assessment of the economic health of the country always looks or frequently only looks at big organizations. Very rarely do you do the, you know, let's walk down Main Street and talk to all these small business owners and see what they're feeling, how they're navigating crisis. Maybe the pandemic was one of the first times that you really heard and talked about your local restaurants how's their personal economy so i guess we get to write that chip today considering we're small business owners when did you become a small business owner jean
2: uh, when i got fired actually i mean i was very early into the gig economy. I had side gigs. The Today Show was my first side gig. I had a job at Smart Money Magazine, and The Today Show hired me to be their personal finance editor. And P.S., there we go. I had a side gig and a second job. Years down the road, after I had taken on a number of side gigs, writing books and giving speeches, as I know you do all the time, I got fired from Money Magazine. And I looked at my portfolio of what I did. I looked at the landscape of magazines and quickly realized that I was not going to be able to find another magazine that was going to be willing to replace my salary, which had gotten kind of inflated. And I decided I would just start my own thing and find a few more clients and hired an assistant and was basically off to the races. So that that's my small business story.
1: I love that. I love that. Did you know that 50% of small businesses fail in the first year? Like, I think if someone had told me that, I knew so little going into it. And I really didn't have much of a business background. I started my business – I had started it actually a couple of years before I left CNN. I'd been a, a morning anchor and done a lot of documentaries at CNN. So I was sort of always heading the direction of starting a production company, which didn't necessarily mean you had to leave your day gig. But I knew I wanted something else – So then when I left CNN altogether, and I remember it was a similar thing, right? You get an offer and you're like, yeah, I don't love this offer. Like, okay, you know, I mean, I guess I could stay employed here, but Mm -hmm. I think I should go. And I remember sitting down with friends of mine who ran production companies and people were so generous, you know, to just take out a napkin and kind of diagram, well, this is how I do it. This is how we think about it there was so much I didn't know. When people ask me, like, if I could give them a device, I always say, take some basic accounting classes. I've never taken an accounting class. I really had no concept of how to do a budget as an anchor. I
2: did know the statistics on small business failure because I've written about small business for many, many years, but it just seemed at the time like the least bad option starting her money in the years that followed, starting a second company, I I approached it with a lot more thought and a lot more of a plan, an actual business plan. And I've interviewed so many founders over the years, the founder of Spanx, the founder of love The Runway. I love her. Yes. And to a one, I've said, A, did you have a business plan? And most of them said no. And B, how much did you start this business with? And the answer for a long time was always (laughs) $5,000. Spanx was started with $5,000. So, you know, I think there's something to the plan, but there's also something
1: to the idea and the research and the passion. I'm curious, Jean, what kind of financial advice you got before you started your small business Because sometimes you roll into it, right? Yeah. I had a fairly calm discussion with my accountant about
2: what I was going to do tactically, doing what I do reporting on personal finance. I was very conscious of the fact that I no longer had a 401k, that I no longer had health insurance, that I was going to have to set up these benefits, and not just for me, but for this fresh out of college, amazing young reporter from West Virginia that I'd hired. And so at that point, I did reach out and I I talked to my financial advisor and I said, all right, what are my choices? And that was an important conversation. But I think for a lot of people, and I I look at the number of companies that really shut their doors during the pandemic, 31% of small businesses failed since the start of the pandemic we're starting to see them come back again i'm in philadelphia and empty storefronts are starting to fill up which is really exciting but what i hope that these small business owners are doing is some research around the corner for me and i don't know if you've you've noticed this yet cuz you've got two dogs in your life but around the corner for me an ice cream store for dogs just opened that's what they do. There have been a steady stream of people in and out of the store.
1: I just wonder, like, okay, how much market research did these folks do? They probably Googled how much Americans spend on their pets, uh, were completely overwhelmed by that ridiculous number, and said, what's my way in? Because I kind of like that idea. I, I probably would take my dog for ice cream every day. Well, maybe. they, you know, you know, the puppuccino at
2: Starbucks is very, very popular, but Frosty Paws, I think, yes, and free. And Frosty Paws does a very good business, but you got to look at things like whether there is demand and whether there's a a market size and how big is that market size and what is your competition? Are other people doing this? This is the one and only soft ice cream store for dogs that I've ever seen. But if there was another one right around the corner, I would want to know about that. And how much is somebody going to pay for ice cream
1: for their dogs? Oh, really? good questions about market research on the, you know, is your product really a viable product or is it just a brilliant idea in your head? I want to bring in Isabel Barrow. She's a wealth planner from Edelman Financial Engines. Welcome back, Isabel. Nice to talk to you. Always nice to see you. Hey, Isabel. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm, I'm so curious what kinds of conversations you have with folks who are either thinking about starting a new business or have already started a new business and are now circling back to you to say, hey,
3: here's what kind
1: of help I need?
3: Obviously, one of the first things that someone is going to want to understand is, can I afford to do this based on my financial plan that I've already laid out for you? So that brings up a great point, which is, You should probably think about having these types of conversations with your wealth planner before you get started. So, you know, when should you engage with a wealth planner? Well, it's always going to be early and often. Because before you can get to the point of understanding your financial ability to fund or maintain a small business, you need to understand what the income generation power could be, you know, what do you expect that small business to be able to generate in terms of revenue? And, and is that revenue going to be in line with your lifestyle and goals? Is it the same person? I mean, when we're
2: talking about a small business, is it the same person typically for business advice as it is for
3: personal advice? It can be, and in many cases it should be, but it really depends on the person that you're talking to and what kind of experiences they bring to the table. I mean, it's our belief at Edelman Financial Engines that financial planning is a lifelong process of looking at where you are, where you're going, and how you're going to get there. And your smaller, maybe even large business is part of that whole financial life. If your own personal financial situation is tied at all to your business financial situation, which of course it is as a small business owner, you have to be considering all of that together as part of the same picture. So for example, you know, if you started a small business and you're in the black, you're generating a profit, you might be thinking about how to invest the cash from the business or the future or An investment down the road, back into the business, or just a general pool. Or maybe you're thinking about setting up a small business retirement plan. And most advisors, certainly those at Edelman Financial Engines, should be able to help you understand the ins and outs of those different options that you're thinking about. But the options are complicated. In order to understand them, the advisor that you're talking to needs to have an experience in those areas. So again, it depends. It depends on the advisor you're talking to and how much knowledge or specialized experience they bring to the table. This is exactly the kind of situations we talk about where working with a wealth planner could be a huge help. And if you don't have one, you can call us at 833-PLAN-EFE or go to planefe.com and we'd be happy to help. Can wealth planners
1: help you come up with a business plan?
3: The short answer is no. The wealth planner is someone for whom you're going to seek advice about all of the financial aspects of that. You know, what's cash flow? What is my upfront cost? How should I be borrowing? You need a business bank account. Do you need to think about the small business retirement plans, et cetera? But from a business planning standpoint, you know, I have found that the U.S. Small Business Association website is a treasure trove of information. You can get help on that front end to start thinking about building that business plan as to how are you actually going to structure your business? What type of legal entity is the right one for you? But you'll also need the CPA. You'll need the attorney to draft the legal document. So you need to assemble a team of people that can all bring to the table their specialized advice. I think the first thing you need... And you need money. Yes, exactly what I was (laughs) going to say. Which is always a challenge when you haven't
1: actually got your product out or a business really built, right? I remember when I left CNN, I had all my boxes on my dining room table. And my husband would kind of swing by every so often and say, like that's not going to stay there, right? <laughs> like We're going to get our dining room table back soon, <laughs> right? Which meant I needed an office. I had no idea, you know, how to even build out an office. You know, those kinds of questions where people were asking you to predict into the future what your earnings are going to be, seemed to me to be like, well, I can just make some stuff up if you want, you know, that maybe is kind of sort of based on reality. But I don't know, do I have 100 clients? Or, you know, do I have my cousin and my friend or my clients for the first three years? I I found that very challenging. Well, I think
2: the real hard number to get your hands around for most people is if I don't make any money for the first six months or 12 months, do I have that runway? I mean, when we look at most startups in the United States, for example, most are self-funded. They are bootstrapped. They're not reaching for venture funding. They're not even getting money necessarily from friends and family or from angel investors. They're doing it themselves. They're cobbling it together. And a very important number to get your hands around is how long can I sustain myself and this business before I have to make a dollar? You know, When do I decide that this is a hobby and not really a business?
3: Yeah. If you're not going after venture money, if you're not getting investors, you need to understand what your options are of either drawing off of your own assets, which it sounds like the two of you both did in funding your own businesses, but there are other options. You know, you don't want to ideally, use up a lot of your own personal money or take on too much debt. And you should always assume that it's going to cost more than you think it's going to. And the startup time frame is going to be longer than what you expect. And you need to be careful about the kinds of debt that you're willing to take on. For example, a small business loan may be better for you than using your own cash you know, from your bank account or your investments or your retirement or, God forbid, a credit card. According to a recent Nerd Wallet survey, of the people who started new businesses since March of 2020, almost 40% of them said that they were using their credit card to fund the business. And that's a huge risk, obviously. Mm. And I think a temptation for many people is also to potentially dip into their retirement funds. And in general, That's a bad idea. Because remember, you can take out a loan to start a business and you can take out a loan to buy a house or do a lot of things, but you cannot take out a loan to retire. So you need to plan to protect your retirement savings and find other sources of funding for your business. And if you don't qualify for that small business loan, or you can't get funding through investors or, or from your own savings, then maybe now is just not a good time to start the business. I love the idea of starting a business
2: as a side gig, seeing if it has legs and if it has legs, then you you move it into full production at that point where you've already sort of proven your case. When we come back We're going to talk about how do you set up retirement benefits for your business. There are so many different ones to choose from. I remember going through the landscape and thinking, do I want a 401k? Do I want a SEP? It's complicated. I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien. We'll be back on Everyday Wealth.
4: How do you know when to break up with your wealth advisor? Ask yourself, am I getting the attention I deserve? At Edelman Financial Engines, we don't believe you should settle when it comes to your wealth. That's why we model more than 38,000 securities, so we can better stress test your portfolio through thousands of scenarios. Stop settling. Call 888-912-0373 or visit EFEWealthPlanners.com to see what you might be missing with a complimentary financial plan.
2: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien on Everyday Wealth. As two small business owners, we are diving into our own small business experiences and mistakes. And for the next segment, we want to focus on benefits. Every week, we are guided by experts from Edelman Financial Engines because these topics get complicated, and especially when we're talking about trying to figure out how you can run a small business and still, by the way, retire, you're probably going to need some advice. You can always reach out to the folks at Edelman Financial Engines at 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com. They are
1: happy to help. What was your biggest financial mistake in your small business, Jean?
2: I think my biggest mistake was not a a financial one necessarily, but more of a people one. Interesting. Yeah. I made some bad hiring decisions early on. And if I were to do it over again, I think I would have figured out a way to do some different
1: due diligence. Interesting. I got two pieces of advice on that before I started my business that I thought were really helpful. One, Uh, I met with a guy who ran a billion-dollar business, and I was literally like, I have no idea why I'm talking to you. My goal is to hire three people, maybe, by the end Mm -hmm. of the year. So it seemed insane. And he said, fire fast. Ah. They know it's not working. You know it's not working. Get out of it. And then the second piece that was kind of attached to that was really helpful was when you're not necessarily good at hiring yet because it really is a skill, give them a window. I'm hiring you for three months. At the end of three months, you say, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Bye. And I think (laughs) it gives you that out without having to fire somebody, right? It's a sort of this small window. And I found it really helpful. Like, okay, now I have a better idea of what I need in that job. And I can be smarter about the next person who I hire because I'm smarter about the position.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and I've started doing that. I've really started saying, we're going to do this for three months. We're going to do this for six months. We'll reevaluate. We'll see if it's working and, and if we want to keep going. And, and that's very, very helpful. One of the things that I feel like I did right this year was actually outsource benefits. I hired a a company and they're handling our payroll, but also our 401k and the health plan. And as we've added more people, this has become something really important, but benefits are difficult. And I wanted to bring Isabel Barrow back into the conversation to talk about just the place for benefits in the landscape. At what point, as a small business owner, do you even
3: have to start thinking about this? It's dependent on a lot of factors. And the most important factor of which is are you ready to do it? You know, are you financially capable of doing that? But also, how many employees do you have? How interested are those employees in having those types of benefits? You know, if you have a very transient workforce, it might not be worth it to set up a plan for someone who's going to be, you know, gone for three months or six months. It's expensive, Isabel. I mean,
2: that's the other factor, right? And when we're looking at all the different costs, and Soledad was talking about office space, you know, all of these things are expensive. Is there any help there, Isabel, for small business owners who are looking to add
3: some sort of a framework for their employees? Absolutely. Once you understand if you can afford the costs associated, then it's important to start thinking about what incentives or tax benefits there might be. And there are some government incentives to think about as well. And Right now, the government is offering retirement plan startup cost tax credits, which can help small businesses offer retirement plans to their employees. Right now, it allows you to deduct up to 50% or $500 of plans, startup, and administration costs for up to the first three years of your plan. And if you make or match contributions to your employees' accounts, that money is also tax deductible. So let's bring in Jim Marks. He's the director of the Retirement Plans Division at Edelman
1: Financial Engines. And his team of retirement plan experts have been serving the best interest of small business employers and employees For a really long time, the the team looks at a, a range of retirement plan services from plan management to employee education, which I think for a business owner kind of allows you to focus on the business at hand, which is getting some profitability while everybody else gets to do the work. I have found, Jim, and nice to have you join in, I couldn't keep the employees that I have if I didn't offer them some kind of retirement plan. Maybe I could keep them for three months. Maybe I could keep them for six months. But you have got to be finding that especially with with small businesses and large businesses, too.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Soledad. We speak with, with business owners on a, on a daily basis and assist them, as you mentioned, with uh, managing their retirement plans. They want to know about either a 401k plan or they've already had a 401k plan in place and are not happy with it.
1: What's the reason that some of those business owners aren't happy with the 401k plan that they have? What do they tell you that's that's making them mad or annoyed?
4: The most common is they don't hear from anybody, or it could be that uh, when they have a question about the retirement plan, it takes them two hours to get through to somebody, or uh, there's not a single point of contact because when you're you're managing a a 401k plan, there's a lot of people involved in it. You have typically, you have the investment manager, you have the custodian, you have the third-party administrator, you have the record keeper, and all these people are doing different functions. And and oftentimes, they don't know who to call.
2: Jim, I mean, one of the really sad facts about small business in this country is that only about 20% of people who work for small private businesses are even in a retirement plan. Why is that? Why is it that, that so many small companies don't have them? And then... If you're one of those companies and you're thinking, I really would like to have something and to Soledad's point, the job market right now is so competitive that I really need to have something, where do you start?
4: I would say the the most common, as I mentioned, it's the administrative burden or it's the cost in setting up a retirement plan. But once they have a plan in place, most employers, probably 99% of them, they really care about their employees and they want to do the right thing. They just don't know what to do, how to go about it. And so you really need somebody who's an expert in this space, who will take care of the employees uh, and then also take care of the plan and let the business owner run their business. That's the most important
1: thing. So walk me through, Jim. What are the services that you provide to help a small business?
4: It's really understanding what the employer is trying to achieve, what kind of employee base they have, and then coming up with some strategies to design a plan that best suits their needs. We want to take care of everything and be that single point of contact for the employer so they don't have to go dig around and trying to find, for this particular question, who do I call? It's about understanding what the employer needs and and wants are and and also work with each of the employees individually, right, to make sure that they're on track to save for retirement. There's a, a list of fiduciary responsibilities when you sponsor a plan as a business owner. Most people don't know what they are, right? So we want to make sure that Whatever you can delegate, delegate everything to the advisor, to the to the third-party administrator. The only thing that you cannot get rid of as a sponsor of a, of a plan, a retirement plan, is the duty to monitor. So you always have to be able to monitor the plan and, and the providers of the plan.
2: When I first was hiring my, my first employee, then my second employee, and I was looking at starting some sort of a retirement solution, the question that I was asked – was do I just want to contribute for me, or do I want to contribute for me and my employee? Isabel, I think that's a dividing line, right? When you're starting a plan, when you're thinking about what kind of plan to start, that's a big
3: consideration. Yes, there are so many options for retirement plans that oftentimes we think about the 401k, but the 401k plan or a traditional 401k plan is really for a midsize or a larger business. It can be for smaller business as well, but For the most part, you know, we are typically for a startup, a one- or two- or three-person company. We're looking at small business retirement plans, and that landscape is very different. There are so many options. We're talking about, you know, IRAs, sub-IRAs. Solo 401Ks, there are, you know, just a ton of very confusing options out there. And you'll need to talk to your tax advisor, your financial advisor, maybe even your attorney about which one's right for you. That's why we suggest working with a wealth planner. And if you don't have one, give us a call at 833-plan EFE. Or visit us at planefe.com.
2: We're talking today with wealth planner Isabel Barrow from Edelman Financial Engines, also her Edelman Financial Engines colleague Jim Marks, who is director of the Retirement Plans Division.
1: Let me ask you a question because I got asked this a lot when I started my company. People would say, So what are your goals? I mean, is this a a vanity project? Like you want to run a production company for yourself and for as long as you want to do it and it sort of doesn't matter, you know, what you're making, et cetera, et cetera. Or is this something that you're trying to grow and build and then sell? And I have to imagine understanding what your big picture goal is for your company is really going to help frame how you're going to think about your retirement benefits. So, Isabel, maybe I'll start with you. How does that impact it? How does that
3: change what advice you're going to give knowing what someone's ultimate goal is? So I think it is important to kind of understand what your growth trajectory is likely to be if you want to be a company with 100 employees eventually or if you're really just going to focus on having three or four people and that's it. That doesn't mean that if you lay out a plan, you can't pivot and change. It just means it's harder to do that. But on the forefront, you do want to think about if you're starting a business and you're looking at trying to retain and hire and keep on employees for a long time, having that retirement plan option is such a great incentive for them. And it's so much easier to keep people and to... Um, get the best possible employees if you're offering great benefits.
2: In the last segment, Isabel, you ran us through a whole menu of different plans that small business owners can choose from. Is it possible to sort of take plans and match them up to specific businesses? Tell me who's right for
3: what? In order to do so, I think it's really, really important to have a broader understanding of your own tax situation, your own financial situation, the landscape for your business, and to have worked with your financial planner ahead of time to sort of map out what is going to be the best strategy for you and for your business. And if you don't have a financial planner, that's something that we at Edelman Financial Engines can certainly help you with, 833-PLAN-EFE or at planefe.com. So I'll just lay out a couple of those small business plans, maybe for companies where it's just yourself or self and a spouse or, or a few employees. The first of which is the most basic, which is just setting up a payroll deduction IRA for your employees. And that's just their responsibility. And you're adding money out of every paycheck, but they're responsible for funding it. Another really common type of plan is a SEP IRA. And a SEP IRA is one where you can set up um, for yourself and for your employees. It's really best for companies with let's say 10, 15 employees or less. And if you want to put away quite a bit into your retirement plan because the maximum in 2022 is $61,000 or 25% of your pay, whichever is less. But know that you are also required to contribute the same percentage to your employees that you are to yourself.
2: And for that reason, Isabel, let me just pause you there. I mean, I was always taught that SEPs were probably better just for an owner who wanted to fund a pension for themselves or for themselves and a spouse or themselves and a child, like a closely held company.
3: Exactly. Best for maybe self and spouse. But also, depending on how, what you're, where your income falls, if you really want to max out, a solo 401k might also be a better option because you can actually potentially contribute more depending on where your income falls. So that's another kind of comparative to a SAP, a solo 401k, Um, Because in a solo, you can add that 25% of your income up to $61,000. But if you're not reaching that $61,000 max with 25% of your income, you can also make an employee contribution, which is, as we know, 401k contribution, $20,500 or $6,500 catch up if you're over 50. So potentially even able to add more if it's just your company or, you know, you and a spouse. Another option for companies that have, let's say, less than 100 employees, but maybe too many for a solo or a SEP, is called a simple IRA, and that's one where employees can add a certain percentage of their own salary every paycheck, and then you as the employer would also contribute. But the the, the maximums are a little lower there at 14000 a year or 17000 if you're over age 50, and there are some requirements as an employer of, of matching percentages that you have to maintain. I feel like everything we've gone into today, we
2: should just have some sort of a disclaimer that says this is complicated and you're probably going to need help because it can be overwhelming, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means you should get some good advice from, from your financial advisor or the folks at Edelman Financial Engines before you proceed. So, Jim, if you want to actually bite the bullet and do a 401k, I know I know we've been talking about 401ks as, as the option for larger companies, which typically go in that direction, but I've got 10 people, and we have a 401k. And in part, we have one because I didn't feel like it was a particularly good look for me not to have one since I talk about them all the time. Um, but it hasn't been all that difficult,
4: We manage 401k plans anywhere from five people up to 500 people. So that's kind of the small to mid business. Uh, That's what typically we manage. But when we think about retirement plans for business owners, we really think about it on three different levels. It's the employer, the business, and the employees. So we need to find out what is it that they're trying to achieve? What are their goals for offering this? And it could be for those that are even a startup or, or somebody that's already in place. We're always going to start with that question. It could be about, well, it's you know, it's for tax deductions, or it's offering a benefit to their employees for retention and attraction, or it's educating their employees. Many, many of these business owners that we talk to, they know that if you have a financially secure employee, it's definitely proven to be a more productive employee. And so they realize that and they want them to be able to retire with dignity. So that's actually a big one that we hear a lot is we want our employees to be taken care of. And what makes us a little bit different and unique is that we offer to sit with each employee one-on-one, find out what are they trying to achieve? What are their goals? What is their risk, right? And then when we get that, then we can help them and guide them through and enroll them into the plan so That's really what separates us from most people out there is really, really want to help the employees.
2: If someone is already working with an advisor, Jim, and maybe they are frustrated or unhappy and are thinking about making a switch, what questions should they be asking?
4: The most common one is is make sure that you've done an assessment of your current retirement plan. That's really, really important to either meet semi-annually or annually, what have you. It could potentially help you reduce costs or it could improve your investment options. It could also even minimize your fiduciary obligations. And then the second question is, uh, do you have an independent advisor? Transparency is critical to ensure you're optimizing where your money goes. Number three is making sure that you're maximizing your individual savings. And I would say also it's really important to make sure that there's a breadth of services uh, that you have, meaning for your employees or even you as the business owner, uh, meaning like wealth planning resources or any holistic financial planning, there's a lot of questions out there that we get all the time. Should I pay off my mortgage? Do I have an emergency savings? You know, what is the strategy for taking RMDs? We want to make sure that the, the company also has a breadth of services to offer and answer all those questions for you.
1: Is there a moment as a business owner where you say, this is the flag that tells me it is time to move into this new phase of offering Uh, some kind of benefits, you know, and I don't know if there's a certain amount of profitability or a certain number of years. I mean, I think like Jean and I have both talked about feeling it was the right thing to do. And both of us talk a lot about making sure that younger employees are set up to do well successfully, hopefully in our own organizations. So I don't know that there was some sign for me of like, oh, my company is now at the place where I should start thinking about offering benefits. Is there an indication of that?
4: I usually hear most of the time from the business owners, it's, it's really, it's the retention and attraction. And that's probably the number one, I would say. Is you start that
1: losing out on people. They start losing
4: and they go, you know, why are we losing these employees, right? And, and all of a sudden they say, oh, well, they were offering a retirement plan or they were offering better benefits, right? Medical benefits, whatever it is, right? There was definitely a benefit package that was affiliated with that.
1: That's kind of the story of a small business. You certainly can't do it by yourself. You need a great team of people around you. A big thank you guys, uh, Isabel Barrow and uh, Jim Marks, for uh, for helping us in this conversation today. You'll notice we left out some stuff about benefits like uh, health care, which is a big one. And that's because, of course, the show is an hour. Um, and that topic, you, know, we, the, 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 you thought this one was complicated. Health care is really, really really complicated. And I, I know we're going to be able to on a future show start dipping into that because as a business owner who's thought about how to cover health care for my employees, whew, that one is a really, really tough one. But as always, if you have a, a question that you'd like us to answer, if you have a topic that you'd like us to, to take on, just visit us at planefv.com. Go to the Everyday Wealth page. And of course, you can download the Everyday Wealth podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, again, a big thank you, Isabel and Jim and everybody. We'll see you back here next week. Bye, everybody.
0: Everyday Wealth with Solidad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Listen in each week to hear fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help you elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com. Find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.